What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I hope you all are enjoying your Monday or whatever day you're listening to this beautiful podcast on this beautiful day, I hope, for whenever you're listening to this. And right now, here at Urbandale, it's, uh, it's a little cloudy. Just looking out my window here in my basement. And yeah, it's a, it's a little dreary outside, not going to lie. Right now, 57 degrees with a high of 58 coming soon but today if you don't like hot weather today is your day to enjoy it because it's starting to ramp up in temperature as we get closer to the weekend we go 67 tomorrow 71 73 75 then 82 on saturday and we got a lot of rain coming we got rain coming on friday sunday monday wednesday we just got a lot of rain so if you don't like rain stay inside on the weekend but if you like rain, go outside and enjoy it, I guess. I, I I I don't know. I don't know. Just do you, I guess. Well, here on this Monday edition, we always do the same thing to start off every show on Monday. And that is recap the last dance, which takes place every Sunday, or which has been taking place every Sunday for the past five weeks. And it's sad to say, but it's officially done. And I missed it last night. I had, my dad had to record it so I could watch it today. I just got done watching it. It's, 11, it's almost noon here in Urbandale, Iowa. So this is going to be a little later release date or release time of this podcast for today. But, man, the last dance is done. It's done. It's done and dusted. It's really sad to say. That was what a lot of us look forward to when the weekend came. On Sunday night at 8 o'clock, we had the last dance. I'd watch it with my dad, sometimes with my sister if she wanted to come down and watch it. With our two dogs, Poppy and Bear, we'd sit down in the basement and watch a documentary discussing the greatest player on the greatest team coached by the greatest coach. And then it's all getting ripped apart at the very end, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. But man, it is sad that it's over. And I was sad that I missed it last night because I, well, I was sad and kind of not sad at the same time. I'll explain why. Because... I haven't missed a live edition of The Last Dance at all. I've been in my basement, ready with my Michael Jordan jersey on. I've worn the same jersey every single time I've watched The Last Dance, except for this last one. Every single time, I got this black champion Michael Jordan jersey that my uncle gave me. It's a legit jersey. It's from those 90s Bulls teams in the 1990s. This jersey is awesome. And when I wore that jersey, this is a little side story, which we never do here on The Logan Blackman Show. Uh, I wore that Jersey with my North Carolina shorts that I got when I was like in middle school, I think. And <laughs> I rocked those for a game of basketball at the WRC up at you and I, and I absolutely balled out. I balled out so much. The p- random people that we were playing with started passing me the ball. <laughs> they started passing me the ball and telling me to shoot and I would make it. I have never done that. In my entire life, my friends that I was with did not know what was going on. It was like I was taken by a being of some sort and just possessed to play great basketball for one day. It hasn't happened since, and it never happened before that. But that one day, these random people we were playing with thought I was the white Michael Jordan. Had the jersey, had the shoes, not the shoes, I had the, the shorts on. I was rocking it. I was shooting. I was making everything I shot. It was awesome. 
greatest feeling ever on a basketball court was that feeling. Because I was just laughing. I didn't know what was going on. I just do this Jordan shrug, but not in like a, man, I knew that was going in. More of like a, I did not expect that. I don't know what's going on. I'm not, this is not natural for me. I'm sorry for everybody that's watching and you think that I'm a good basketball player. Don't get your hopes up because it's not like that. I'm not a good basketball player whatsoever. My uncle is the jersey I got my the the jersey that I have from my uncle. He's a very good basketball player. Was he's a little old now, but he was a very good basketball player. I play basketball like my dad. A little less physical than my dad, but it's <laughs> I'm not a good basketball. I got that from my dad. But his jersey's dope. And I love the the nice feeling I get when I put it on. Especially when watching this last dance. And last night, didn't wear it. I didn't have it on. Because why? I was up at Applebee's, up at Ankeny, visiting with two friends that I hadn't seen in a very, very long time. One of them I hadn't seen since November. No, 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 no. We saw each other in, oh, when was this? I think it was around spring break. It wasn't in spring break because I wasn't home during spring break. I was up at Cedar Falls do or in Waterloo, I guess, working for KXEL at the time. But we saw each other then. We haven't seen each other in a while, so we all, we're childhood friends. So we went up to Applebee's. Angie. One of them lives in Ames. Two of us live in Urbandale. So the two that live in Urbandale drove up to Ankeny. Guy that came lives in Ames drove down to Ankeny. And we hung out at Applebee's and then went to Sonic. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we... There's a shake at Sonic. I don't know. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like, it's a peanut butter, like blast thing. I don't know what it is. The stupid thing is 1860 calories. That is the most calories on the menu. It Jacob and Aaron are the two people I was with. Both got it. I did not get that. And Jacob was like, man, I've had about 5,000 calories today. I turned to him and go, yeah, and he probably had about 3,000 of those in the past hour or so. Applebee's is not the healthiest choice if you're trying to watch your weight and watch your calorie intake. Applebee's is not your place to do that. I'm sorry if you love Applebee's, but it's not. And I love Applebee's. Went there a lot at William Penn. We go up the Pella, get the moss sticks and uh, boneless wings. Had an eat-off up there. Well, I did not participate in it because I did not. I knew I wasn't going to win. But my friends, Kevin, Zach, and Brett, took part and it was brett's birthday two days ago i believe happy late birthday brett if you're listening to this and yeah i just i never took part i knew i wasn't gonna win brett would always win the eating contest and kevin would tap out oh wait no it was zach who tapped out and kevin would kept going i don't remember but emily's not the best for if you're watching your calories and neither is the eating that sonic like arctic blast thing arctic blast is a snookies thing but i don't remember what they're called a sonic blast is that what it's called so i i feel like that's right it, it has to be right sonic blast but go look at this thing 1860 is the highest amount of calories you could take in on that entire menu it includes like entire meals you could eat three extra large popcorn chickens and <laughs> you would not equal the amount of calories you're taking in by eating this one shake neither one of them finished it i don't blame him they jacob turned to me and after he started eating he said man i feel gross it's like yeah don't blame you it's not it's not the healthiest choice in the world to get that especially going off of eating applebee's lucky that aaron and jacob's arteries didn't close up on them they just 
have <laughs> going to cardiac arrest right there and then. But they're both, as far as I know, they're both alive. So that's good. But it was a lot of fun last night, but it was sad missing the last dance. Thankfully, my dad recorded it. So I watched it this morning and it was really good. I, I loved it. I love what I loved watching the last dance in the five weeks that we had it on. And I loved the last two episodes like I loved all the other ones. They're awesome. Awesome episodes. But before we dive right in to the re- full recap of The Last Dance, let's go over what we're going to talk about today. So obviously, Last Dance, episodes 8 and 9, or 9 and 10, we got those to talk about. Talk about the legacy of The Last Dance, why The Last Dance was needed for this time. And I've also got my top five basketball documentaries I would like to see at now The Last Dance is done. I got those listed. We'll go over those a little bit. And these are my opinion so like maybe the general audience or general public might not like this list but to me this is what I would like to see I might move some around but that's whatever I also got like close contenders that could list and also before I do any before we move on from that it's all teams that have been around since I've been alive so we're not gonna have like the 80s 76ers the Showtime Lakers, the Boston Celtics, going from Bill Russell all the way up to Larry Bird. We don't have those ones. We don't have Luol Cinder to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ones. It's just the ones that I've been alive through, which is whatever. So if you like the older ones or want another old one, then you can go and do that because those are very interesting. We don't know a lot about it. A lot of people, a lot of the general audience, including myself, Knew all the information that was going into The Last Dance anyways, but that still didn't take away from how awesome watching The Last Dance was. Like, as a lifelong Bulls fan, with my uncle being a big-time Bulls supporter, with my dad also kind of liking the Bulls, I mean, he doesn't really care that much about basketball like like my uncle does, but... So I already already knew a lot of the information that was going to be said. Now, some of the side stories were really awesome, like Jordan almost signing with Adidas, or wanting to sign with Adidas, and his parents making him go to Nike... Like, all this little stuff like that. Dennis Rodman going out to party all the time. Like, you knew some of the stuff, but to the certain extent that things were done, I guess you could say. is a, is a better way to put it, I guess. Like, we knew what things happened, but to not to the extent that some things were said, I I guess. If that, if that makes any sense. If not, then I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. But that makes sense in my head. But these documentaries that I've got listed are ones that... People my age, so about 22 years old, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, maybe, would know a lot about. Then we got some also some ones that we could throw in there that didn't didn't quite make the cut. Uh, we got some NFL stuff to talk about. Obviously, it's the Logan Blackman show. We're not going to go through an entire show and not talk about the NFL. We got some 2018 draft stuff to talk about. We got some, I made a team, an NFL team, and it's got one player. From each team. Some teams were left out. I think we had a grand total of 26 players in this team. So 14 or not, um, six teams were left off this list. I haven't gone through and I haven't seen which teams have been left off, but there's teams left off. And I'm sorry if you notice your team's left off and you're mad because what this player is way better. Why didn't you put so the, the stipulation is, and we'll explain this a little bit more when we get to this point in the show is. So like the best player at a position if they if they're like so let's say um what would be a good example of this 
I got to figure out how I want to word this because it's I'm going to might offend some people if Okay, so if I wanted to throw in Tyreek Hill into this team, I can't because I might have thrown in Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Or if I want to throw in Russell Wilson, I can't because I might have thrown in Bobby Wagner. So, like, it's not the best players in the league. It's players that will fit into this team based off their position, I guess. If they're, like, the best. So, if you have two of the best of their positions, I will choose one that is the bigger step. If there's a huge step down from that person to the next one, that person will go in even though they might not be... I don't know. It's hard to explain. We'll explain it more when we get there. And we got some strength of schedule stuff that got released. So we'll go through all of that as well. And there's also some top rushing defenses going up against certain teams. So we got all that for you. Before we dive into all of that, we had some live sports this weekend. Like actually universally watched live sports. Not the K. I love the KBO. Not gonna hate on the KBO. We'll talk about the KBO in like five minutes or so. But sports that everybody knows and have watched for a very, very long time, and that is the Bundesliga was back this weekend. And soccer, the most popular sport in the world, was back this weekend with the Bundesliga restarting games in front of a, a fanless stadiums. Eerie. Oh, and NASCAR is back. Completely forgot about NASCAR with Kevin Harvick. Coming away with the hero, Real Heroes 400 in Darlington. We got a race coming up on Wednesday as well. So, like, they're going to run so many NASCAR races. And then you're, they're trying to finish out the season. There's, like, 36 races. They've gone through, I think, four? Maybe six? Maybe five. Maybe I'm just splitting the difference. But it's going to be an interesting time for NASCAR. There's going to be crapping out races as we, like, we're just going to keep moving on and on and on and on with all these different types of races. And yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it works out for NASCAR. I'm not. I'm sure they're not going to lose viewership. I watched the race yesterday before I went to go hang out with my friends. But yeah, I kind of forgot about NASCAR was on yesterday. But the Bundesliga was back. More universally loved the sport of soccer than the sport of NASCAR. But this weekend we had Borussia Dortmund taking on Schalke, one of the most hated rivalries, one of the most intense historical rivalries in all of world soccer, not just in Germany. In Germany, you obviously got their classicer with Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, but this one is more localized, and these two teams just do not like each other. And in this game, Borussia Dortmund come out 4-0 winners over their rival Schalke in the Westfalen Stadion in front of nobody. Even the benches are spread out six feet. So you got these benches spread out six feet with nobody in the stands, so the celebrations were just weird with no fans cheering. It's very eerie to watch. And then the Dortmund, for if those of you who don't know, the Westfalenstadion has a huge supporter section. It's called the Yellow Wall. It's where like the most diehard vocal fans go sit for their games. After the victory, Dortmund went over and clapped the Yellow Wall like they do after every game. It might have seen a little bit like weird or stupid. But it's still showing support to the fans if they were there, just clapping at the can- clapping at the the stands. But in this game, we had Erling Holland scoring a goal, the first goal of the Bundesliga as the restart, the first goal to come back. He has now hit thirty six goals for the season. 
including his time at RB Salzburg. Now at Dortmund, he just hit 10 at Dortmund in the Bundesliga, and now 10 in the Champions League. You're not now 10 in the Champions League. 16, 10, and 10. 36 goals. This dude is, I believe, 19 years old. He's going to be one of the best strikers in the world. His dad played for Manchester City. Now we are only hoping he goes to Manchester United instead. Because Manchester United, whenever he wants to move, because Manchester United's going in on Jaden Sancho this offseason, whenever that happens, I want Jaden Sancho extremely bad. Get that English in there. Get that front three of Sancho, Martial, and Rashford. Oh, move back to a 4-3-3 with Fred or somebody at the point of that midfield. Jude Bellingham, they're trying to bring in from Birmingham City. If Pogba leaves, Jack Grealish goes there, and you already have Bruno Fernandes. You got your back line. Is rumors they're going to want to find someone to replace Lindelof. Uh, Aaron Wambasaka is like the second best right back in the league. They're very – okay, this is another side note. You're obviously going to be – Aaron Wambasaka and Trent Alexander-Arnold are going to be compared all the time. They're both around the same age, both for the two most historic clubs in the country. And now we're going to be trying to compete for the same spot in the England English national team, which is already their deepest spot on the roster, the right back spot. Because you can't play two right backs. You can't. Left back's their weakest spot because only Ben Chilwell's really competing for that spot. Luke Shaw's not really a threat. Maybe maybe he might be ne- come next year when the Euros come around. Then you got Danny Rose. You've got... Uh, Brandon Williams, if you want to bring him up from Manchester United, if he ends up beating Luke Shaw out for the starting left-back spot. Brandon Williams is like that Dennis Irwin type. He's both footed, but more naturally right-footed. I don't think he'll take penalties like Dennis Irwin did, like in the the 90s Manchester United teams. But English right-backs, there's a lot of good ones. Alexander-Arnold, best attacking fullback in the world. I don't think that's up for discussion. I, I think that's pretty obvious. That Trent Alexander-Arnold is the best attacking fullback in the world at the moment. You could throw like the likes of Marcelo, Dani Alves, even throw in Andrew Robertson, his left-back partner at Liverpool. But I think it's unquestionably Trent Alexander-Arnold. Defensively, he has his flaws. That's where Aaron Wan-Bissaka is, ex- is massively better than Trent Alexander, the defensive side. They are both the best at what they do in the Premier League. Trent Alexander-Arnold's the best attacking right back. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is easily the best defensive right back. So we'll have to see what they do. If they go back with uh, the 5-3-2 that they ran in the World Cup, and instead of Kyle Walker as that center back, you put in Aaron Wan-Bissaka to partner Joe Gomez and Harry Maguire, and then have Trent Alexander-Arnold run up the wings with Ben Chilwell on the other side. That could work. There's not a huge depth in center backs this year because... Joe, John Stones lost his starting spot because Joe Gomez has been very good next to Virgil van Dyke in their time at Liverpool since he's fully been in the starting lineup. He battled some injuries earlier. Now Dejan Lovren's completely frozen out of the team, which is good for Liverpool. Sucks for everybody else. But then you got in the midfield. You can throw in Henderson, who's going to start for England. You can throw in Declan Rice, maybe. James Madison, Jack Grealish, um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Then you got the likes of Adam Lallana if he's healthy. You have got, well, there's just a lot of people we could throw in. I can't really think of a lot of them off the top of my head right now. But 
And then you can throw Harry Kane, Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling. That's the part that's going to struggle. You might want to just do a two in the midfield, three at the top. Because Sterling's going to start and Kane's going to start. And then probably Sancho with Rashford being the first one off the bench. So you've got like a 5-2-3 for England to fit your best overall players in. Because you can't really leave Wan-Bissaka out. It's going to be hard to do that. But Trent Alexander-Arnold is the best attacking fullback in the world. So it's hard to leave that out as well. It's a little conundrum there for England. But once they get that sorted out, they'll be fine. But back to the Bundesliga. And Jane Sancho coming off the bench in this game. 4-0 the victors for Borussia Dortmund. Rafael Guerrero comes away with the player of the game. Got two goals in the game. Torgon Hazard got the start in place of Gio, Riola, or Gina, Gio Reyna. And got hurt in warm-ups. So didn't play in the game. Torgon Hazard comes in. The brother of Eden Hazard gets a goal and an assist in the game. Julian Brandt gets two assists in the game. Holland gets his goal, as we said, with the assist in there as well. It's a good overall game for Borussia Dortmund. Just a dominating performance over their much-hated rivals in Schalke. Getting the first win of the Bundesliga coming back. It's excited. RB Leipzig was down 1-0 to Freiburg, but they came back and drew it up 1-1. Hoffenheim lose to Hertha Berlin 3-0. Fortuna Dusseldorf ties Paderborn 0-0. Augsburg loses to Wolfsburg 2-1. And Borussia Mönchengladbach beats Eintracht Frankfurt 3-2. Moving on to the next day on Sunday, we had two games in the Bundesliga going on. FC Köln takes on Mainz, 2-2 draw there. And then the champions, the best team in Germany, Bayern Munich, takes care of lowly Union Berlin, 2-0. Robert Lewandowski scores his 40th goal with a penalty in the game in the 40th minute. Gets him to 40, 40 goals in the season. I think that's five straight seasons in a row. He scored over four goals. And it's 40 goals in a season in all competitions. And the season's not even done yet. It's crazy to think about. And also, Benjamin Pavard, right back for Bayern Munich. More natural center back, but plays right back for both Bayern Munich and its national team. France gets a goal in the game in the 80th minute to seal the victory. And Joshua Kimmich one of the best versatile, one of the most versatile players in the world, gets an assist in the game. And Alfonso Davies, the Canadian left back, or Canadian winger turned left back, got a yellow card in the game. But just a n- nothing too difficult for Bayern Munich in this game. If they didn't beat Union Berlin, it been some something would have been wrong. Union Berlin's not it's not a real powerhouse in the Bundesliga, you would say. And we got one more game today. We got Werder Bremen versus Bayer Leverkusen. That game will be taking place a little bit later today. See, whoscored.com puts this in military time, and I don't know, or military time. And that's also, we don't. I don't know what the time is in Germany right now, so this could be very, very off. But 19.30 will be the kickoff today between Werder Bremen and Bayer Leverkusen. Werder Bremen, one of the teams struggling in the Bundesliga this year, they're going to need a win over Bayer Leverkusen, but it's going to be a very, very tough one. Bayer Leverkusen, a younger team, but a better team than Werder Bremen. Spearheaded by Kai Havertz, who's probably going to be on the move this summer to one of the bigger clubs in the world. Or he could stay. Or he could surprise all of us and stay. Him and James Sancho stay in the Bundesliga. That's perfect for the Bundesliga. And while we're on the talk, topic of soccer... I got an update this morning from 
Bleacher Report, and they were talking about the Premier League starting to come back. So the Premier League is starting to come back, and I think it said June, but it didn't. My For some reason, it's not there. I made sure not to clear it out because I wanted to read it on the show, but it's not popping up. So we're going to search it in on the tweeter machine. And I think it's some, it's gotta be, it's sometime in June, but we gotta make sure. Yeah. Uh, UK government announces Premier League can return behind closed doors from June 1st. So that's, that's all we wanted. The Premier League is the most watched league in the world. And it looks like setting a date of June 12th as return to competitive games. So start getting back in training sessions. You would assume on the first and then getting back into game shape going into the 12th, which is something that NASCAR didn't do. I, this is a little, another side note, like they didn't practice NASCAR went in blind to this week. They didn't have any practice. They didn't have any warmups. They drew their positions out of a hat essentially. And that's how they wound up. And that's why Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, it's not surprising that Ricky Stenhouse was the first one that crashed, but that he crashed in the first half lap of the race. <laughs> like I did not, I, it's not surprising that that happened. As we said, Kevin Harvick came out victors. I think my dad said 37 cars finished in the race, 36 cars, which is impressive for not having any practice or any warmups of any kind. And just going in blind pretty much. I did not know that when the race started, my dad had to tell me that I was like, what? That's not the smartest thing to do. And that's why we saw a wreck in the first half lap of the race. And you saw the likes of Jimmy Johnson, who has had a struggling year, which is why he's retiring. One of the greatest NASCAR drivers of all time, if not the greatest NASCAR driver of all time, wrecked while he was in the lead. And then William Byron, another Hendrick Motorsports driver, wrecked soon after that. Chase Elliott came fourth. Alec Bowman came second, I believe. Alex Bowman been very, very good for Hendrick Motorsports since his first season with the team. He's been dominating. He's very... He's one of three drivers to have a, or one of four drivers to have a win under his belt this season. And again, I've only raced, I think four times. So it's not incredibly like amazing, but still a win. Nonetheless, that's important. So now with that out of the way with new sports, slowly, but surely coming back with announcements of more sports coming and coming as we get closer to the fall. We just hope that football is not affected. We know I, I am about 80% 80% confident that the NFL won't be affected. I'm about 50% confident the college football won't be affected. Because there's a lot of me that feels college football will be moved because it's a lot different to get adjusted to the college football season than the NFL season. Because you got people moving back into dorms and stuff like that. You got people coming back on campus. So there's going to be less of a chance for the college, for college football to come back. I'm actually about a 90% chance that the NFL comes back without fans obviously but college football that's a that's a different story but the kbo they're back the first live sports that we had back and this weekend we had some great action lg one of the hottest teams in the league rattles off a three to one win or was the hottest team in the league, but we'll talk about that in a little bit three to one win over kiwum lot beat hanwa Five to one. Kia beat Deuce on thirteen to four in a dominating win for Kia. NC Dinos beat SK two to one. KT beat the Samsung Lions ten to four. And LG played two games. Five to three was the final 
there. Double header there for LG. And yesterday we had Hanwa beating Lote for five to four. KT beating Samsung nine to two. Kiwoon beating the LG Twins nine to four, who now sit second in the league, the LG Twins, right behind the NC Dinos, who have one loss on the season. Doosan got revenge on Kia, winning 6-4, and the NC Dinos, as we said, 11-5 victors over SK. In tomorrow's games, we got the NC Dinos going to the Doosan Bears. Lote playing Kia, SK versus Kiwum, Hanwa being KT, or playing KT, and LG taking on Samsung. It's like a brand rivalry there. Samsung versus Kia, or Samsung versus LG. See which one comes out on top. I fully expect the LG Twins to come out on top, by the way. Let's go over some of the games that took place this past weekend. As we said, LG beating Kiwoom twice the other day, winning 3-1 over Kiwoom. Both teams had six wins after this game, but LG just came out on top. Not a very exciting game. Nothing very exciting. The run didn't get scored until the fifth inning, then Kia got a run in the sixth, and then Kiwoom didn't score until the ninth. Had more hits than LG in the game, but didn't matter because they made LG made their hits count and then beat them five to three the next time they saw each other. Kiwoom was up three nothing after the second inning, and then LG started clawing their way back, getting two runs in the third and scoring three runs in the eighth to get the win over Kiwoom in that game. Park Young Tyok had two hits, two RBIs in the game for the LG Twins in the win over. Kiwoom. My Doosan Bears lost 13-4 in the game, dropping to 6-4 on the season. They just, got, they just got pounded. Simple as that. 16 hits for Kia in the game. Just a dominating win for the Kia Tigers in this game. But Doosan did come back, winning their next game against Kia 6-4. Nice little 15-hit game for the Doosan Bears. Kia didn't really do anything until the ninth inning, where they scored three runs trying to sure up the game. But... Try made it a little interesting, but in the end, it was just too much for Kia to come back from. Here, Kyung Min had four hits in the game, four for four in the game for him, and Jung Sung Bin had three hits, four at four at bats with two RBIs to his name, with OJ Eel getting two hits with three RBIs in the game for Doosan. Then we'll just go over the NC Dinos games because they're just the most dominant team in the league. 2-1 the final there over SK. SK 1-9 on the season. Had more hits than Doosan. Or more hits than D- NC. NC, they didn't score a run until the 8th inning. And that's where the game got shirt up. They won the game in the 8th. Stealing a nice little victory there. Kang Jun Sun had two hits in the game. And Kim Taegun had one hit, one at bat, two walks, and an RBI to his name. To get a nice little dub. For the NC Dinos there. And then moving on to yesterday. 11-5 over SK. More dominating. More NC Dinos type victory. There over SK. What we're more expecting. From the NC Dinos. Against teams that have one wins. Like SK does. In the game we had multiple people. With multiple hits in this game. Parkman Wu had two hits. Aaron Altier. Former Philadelphia Phillies player. Two hits. Two RBIs. In the game. Nasung Bum. Two hits. Two walks. An RBI. And three runs scored. In the game for him. Just an overall dominating game. And then Quan He Dong. Three hits at three at-bats with an RBI and a walk in the game. Just an overall dominating performance from the NC Dinos in this game. Who have been easily the most dominant team in the league so far 
Big Song Gyun, the starting pitcher for SK, four earned runs off five hits and three walks in just three innings pitched for him. Lee Wong Jun went in later in the game, pitched one and one third, one and two thirds innings, gave up four walks in the game with only two strikeouts to his name. Just an overall dominating performance from the NC Dinos. It's going to be a tough one for the Doosan Bears, who currently, right now, after they got that nice little win over Kia Sit at seven and four on the season, Doosan, the reigning champs of the KBO, see if they can bounce back. And get a nice little win over the NC Dinos. A big upset win over the NC Dinos. That's what we're wanting. That is what we are wanting here. Nice little win for the Doosan Bears. Will it happen? Don't really know. But only time will tell. Right now, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. And finally, after a half hour of talking about nothing, we're finally going to talk about The Last Dance. Episodes 8. I did that again. Episodes 9 and 10 of The Last Dance. Take a quick break. We'll come back to you more. Logan Blackman Show right after this two-second delay. It's not really going to be that long for you. It might be a little longer for me, but we'll have to see. But I will talk to you guys in a little bit. All right, welcome back to this Monday edition of The Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I don't really know what that was, but... Nevertheless, we are back. We just went through all the Bundesliga stuff, all the KBO stuff, some off-topic stuff that we never have done on this show ever. We never go off-topic ever. Like now, this is totally not off-topic, but Big Ben released a hype video, a little bit of a hype video. Of he's not going to say, remember, back in the, when was this? Was it in the fall or was it early 2020? I can't really remember. Uh, Big Ben saying, "I'm not gonna cut my hair until I can throw a football." It was in it was in the fall. It was in the fall. I'm gonna throw. I'm not gonna cut my hair until I can throw a legit NFL pass to one of my teammates. So what does he do? He released a video of him throwing the likes of Juju, Ryan Switzer, and I, there was someone else. I can't remember who it was. And he got a haircut. He trimmed his beard up. Big Ben looking fresh going into the 2020 NFL season. And it ends with Juju saying, he's back. Which is some of the best. I love that when people say that like that because it just sounds cool. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm hyped for this now. I don't really care about Big Ben. I've never really been. I've never liked the Steelers. I would rather go I would rather go on the edge of uh, I hate the Steelers. But it's it was a cool video. Just giving a little haircut. I mean, I liked fat, homeless-looking Big Ben Roethlisberger. But you know what? Whatever, Steelers might be a little bit of a threat this year on some certain extent because they actually got a quarterback. So I expect them to be near the top of, or not near the top, but pushing more for a playoff spot than they did last year with the likes of Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. It's, he's just a better quarterback. Their defense carried them to 8-8 eight and eight last year. Their offense was non-existent. You had two backup quarterbacks. Neither one of them are going to be stars in the NFL anytime soon. At least have what we based off of last year. They could go on to be great NFL quarterbacks. But based off last year, they didn't show anything that tells me that these guys are going to be 18-year starters in the NFL. And you also had a couple in the fact that James Conner was hurt for most of the season. That wasn't great for the team because he was one of the main focal points of the offense along with Juju. Now you didn't have that one of them. He had zero running game. 
And it hurt me in fantasy. Killed me in fantasy. Because I traded for him. And then he didn't play. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't. It didn't really work out for me. In the end, I won my first round matchup against a two seed. We always show up in the playoffs. No matter how good we are in the regular season, my fantasy football teams always like to show up in the playoffs. We always get our first round win. We beat a one seed. We've beaten a, seven, a two seed. We've won a championship. We always show up in the playoffs. But having James Conner hurt it wasn't very great. So I expect the Steelers to be somewhat back to normal. We'll see how Big Ben does with his elbow injury coming back. That can be a hard injury to come back from, especially with a quarterback. So we'll see how he does. We'll see how he does. But he looks good. He looks good. He's never been the most uh, workout savvy person in the world. But he's looking good going into the season. So Steelers fans can have some sort of hope going into the season. At least that's what they're wanting. There's seven playoff spots now. You can sneak in in that last spot. They could. They are The Steelers could do that this year. Their offense isn't fantastic, but if they can keep James Conner healthy and Juju gets back to his little rhythm and Big Ben stays healthy, that's the... Yeah. That's the thing. And I'm just... I scrolled up on Twitter and Nick Wright popped up. Nick Wright... I don't know if I've said this enough. If you know me, you know what I feel about Nick Wright. Nick Wright is the dumbest person in sports media. It's just, that's just how it goes. I don't know. I, and I hate the Denver Broncos. I have never liked the Denver Broncos. Never have, never will. They got way better this offseason. They lost a lot of games by last-minute scores or close games. They lost a lot of close games last year. That's without any real weapons on the outside except for Cortland Sutton. You add in Jerry Judy, you add in KJ Hamler, you get another tight end, you add in Melvin Gordon to partner Philip Lindsay, get another receiving back in there. And now they're gonna be three and thirteen instead of not seven and nine. This like, what what do you compute in your head that makes you think this team's gonna be what they were last year? All signs point to this team being a much worse last year. Denver, I think, is going to win eight or nine games. But three and thirteen, one of the worst. Bad. Broncos aren't really that bad in general. Game second in the division last year. I don't know. Makes him even look even worse than what he did before. I get hairs like a confidence thing. With the hair. Than you did before. And you were very annoying before. the Broncos. This come from someone that's never liked the Broncos. I've never had anything good to say about the Broncos in my entire life. And then now I have to because they're not going to go 3-13. and 13. They got better. That's really stupid to say that. And their division's not anything spectacular. You got the Chiefs. The Chargers are going to be better. And then the Raiders are just an enigma. And no one knows what the Raiders are going to do weird 
The Raiders are not going to. I cannot see a world where the Raiders go above. The I don't think they'll go over it. Seven and nine, eight and eight. I think they can get that. Ten and six. Looking at this completely different. But maybe Nick Wright's the smartest person of all time. And I'm just. I don't know. I don't know. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Michael Jordan. In the last dance, after a half hour or 40 minutes, however long we've been talking right now. So where are we at? Yeah, about 40 minutes into the show, we are finally talking about the last dance. I know, we never get off topic on this show, but... Yeah, we never have, so I don't... It's weird getting off topic like this. But last night, episodes 9 and 10 aired of The Last Dance. I watched episodes 9 and 10 this morning. Right before I did the show, got episodes 9 and 10 in... And viewed them and typed up things as it went along. This is the first time I went by like quote by quote. Because usually I'll watch the episode. Other than the, what week was it? Week two maybe? Other than that week, I have typed up the thing the next day. One, week two or three. Can't remember which one. I think I'm, get, I'm thinking week two. I did the show right after The Last Dance. I did it right after. So I was going in after just why I started. The show ended at 10. The last dance ended at 10. I did my show at 10.05 and finished at like 1 something, maybe 12.30. So that's the only time where I've been like following it along and actually doing things off of recency, not going to sleep, waking up, and then going, crap, what happened? And then having to go online and go, what happened? What was the exact thing that happened? Because this thing could have happened in episode... Uh, seven, but it actually happened in episode eight. That was the problem, I would say. But not today. Not today. Watched it today. And episode nine and ten were fantastic. Great cap-offs to the series of The Last Dance. Obviously talking about The Last Dance. And going a little bit more in-depth on Steve Kerr than what a lot of people probably knew about Steve Kerr. Every Chicago Bulls fan loves Steve Kerr. Or for the most part. Because you could say the thing about John Paxson, too, but then you go 20 years later and you're like, Ugh, he's pretty much the most hated man in Chicago, along with Gar Foreman. And probably, <laughs> sadly, Mitchell Trubisky as well. But Kerr is pretty well-liked in the city of Chicago for being on those Bulls teams. Some people have him as one of the top three point guards in Chicago Bulls history, which one... Shows you how not great the Chicago Bulls history is, bar the 90s. The Bulls don't have that amazing franchise, as you see in the first couple episodes of Last Dance with Jordan first coming into the NBA, playing with that Bulls team that was snorting cocaine on a regular basis. Getting outsold by an indoor soccer league team at the Chicago Stadium. Like, I don't think there's been a situation that bad, or anywhere close to that bad, in NBA history other than that. Maybe there were in the early stage of the NBA. But like when players come in now to bad franchises, they're not anything like that. They are nowhere like that. Getting outsold by an indoor soccer team? You're, you're the Chicago Bulls. You had some great players in the past. Like Bob Love, Jerry Sloan, Artis Gilmore. Like you had some great players in the past. But now you're getting outsold by an indoor soccer team. That's not a great look. 
that stuff that they first did was insane. But Steve Kerr being one of the top point guards in Chicago Bulls history, it does show how how small the greatness of the Chicago Bulls really was. And I'm a Bulls fan. If you take out Michael Jordan from the Bulls, the Bulls are just an average franchise. The Atlanta Hawks, they're, um, what, the Utah Jazz, the New Orleans Hornets, the New Orleans Pelicans, Charlotte Hornets. They're one of those teams. But no, thank you to Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, John Pat that John Paxson, not the one coming up, not today's John Paxson, Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr, Tony Kuh, Coach Luke Longley, Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, all those guys, B.J. Armstrong, Ron Harper, Will Purdue. <laughs> Thank you to all those guys, but mostly Michael Jordan, Scotty, Dennis, and Phil Jackson. More Jordan, Phil, and Scotty, but, you know, whatever. For making the Bulls a great franchise. Three, three, two separate three-peats in the span of eight years. That's crazy. And the first year, Jordan was retired. The second year, Jordan came back midway through the season. So with Jordan fully there and fully engaged in basketball, not baseball or other sports, the Bulls won six championships in that time frame. If you just crush the years... If you sandwich the years that he barely played, where he was, one, retired, and then two, coming back midway through the season. If you take those two seasons away, six titles in six years. With Jordan fully dedicated to basketball, the Bulls won six titles in six years. That is insane to think about. Two separate three-peats. Scotty was the only consistent. Scotty and Phil Jackson were the consistence of those two teams. You had a number three option. The Bulls option back then in the first three-peat, Horace Grant. This time it was Dennis Rodman. You had the center. Just uh, didn't do a lot, but did his job to a certain – did his job well. Luke Longley in the later one, Bill Cartwright in the early one. Then you got that uh, role player that Jordan will trust in last shot that not a lot of other teams would. That one was Steve Kerr and John Paxson. Then he had the starting point guard that didn't really do a whole lot, but could provide some scoring when needed. You had Ron Harper and B.J. Armstrong. Like you, Their teams are very similarly built. They're very similar in how they were built. The night, the later one would beat the early one. Right, so they're more talented. You could stretch the floor more. So you got like a Ron Harper, six foot six point guard, going up against six foot one B.J. Armstrong. Then you got... Luke Longley versus Bill Cartwright, just a more physical presence down low than Bill Cartwright. Not saying anything bad on Bill Cartwright, but Luke Longley is more physical than Cartwright. You have Tony Kukoc off the bench. He didn't really have that in the early two, the early Bulls team. Dennis Rodman versus Horace Grant would be an interesting battle, but Dennis Rodman would come out on top on that. But it's just a how insane these teams were, how it captivated the world. And they said at the end of episode 10, they didn't have social media to grow their image. They didn't have all these different things that could help them get internationally known. They were known because of how great that team was and how great Michael Jordan was. Imagine if Michael Jordan had social media back then. Good Lord. He would never be taught. He would never be like, no one would ever leave him alone. 
this show, like, and again, I said this at the beginning, a lot of the stuff that they said on The Last Dance, a lot of basketball fans and Bulls fans especially already knew what happened. They had the little tidbits, the early Bulls teams, like the 80s teams, the Dennis Rodman stuff, the Adidas stuff, the Scotty stuff, some of the, some of the Scotty stuff. But for the most part, we knew everything. But this documentary, for people that had swayed in the direction of going Michael Jordan is the greatest, have now swayed back into the camp of Michael Jordan is the greatest. I've never left that camp of Michael Jordan is the greatest. I've always thought that. No one will ever convince me otherwise. I've never even had a sliver of thought in my mind thinking about that at all. It's not close. And this documentary goes around showing the different people talking, the different players talking, the different sports personalities talking, his teammates, ex-teammates, opponents, opposing coaches, everybody saying that this guy's the greatest. Jordan will never call himself the greatest. He says it makes him cringe. He said that back in 2009. It makes him cringe getting called the greatest of all time. That's what makes Michael Jordan great. Not just the winning the 6-0 finals versus LeBron's six finals losses is very big. That is the massive reason why he is the greatest of all time. LeBron fans hate that because you go, I'd rather go to nine finals and lose six than go to only six and lose and win six. First of all, that's loser's lament. That is your own fault. You need to check yourself. You're fine with just going to the finals and getting your ass slapped by whoever you played. Losing 4-1. to one, to an old Spurs team, getting smashed by the Dallas Mavericks, making fun of Dirk Nowitzki for being sick with Dwayne Wade. Jordan wouldn't do that. That You don't use anything to motivate the other team, pretty much. And if you're going to do that, you better show up to play <laughs> or do something to stop that player. Because after you guys did that, Dirk came back and dominated the series, and the Mavericks won a finals. LeBron didn't keep anybody from winning a finals. You see the likes of Dirk Nowitzki has a final. Kobe Bryant. Now, they never met in the finals, but he has a final. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett all have finals. You have the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, KD. Kawhi Leonard has a final. Kyle Lowry has a final. And he never kept any great player from not winning a finals. Tim Duncan has a final. Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, all have finals. All won trophies. There's not a great player, like a legendarily great player, that he kept away from winning a championship. You go, Oli, Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Giannis. But back in Jordan's time, with those Bulls teams, until he left, Akeem Olajuwon didn't have a final. Clyde Drexler didn't have a final. See, likes of Patrick Ewing, David Robinson. Till Jordan left, the Spurs didn't win. And then Tim Duncan came in right after Jordan left, and they got a championship. Charles Barkley didn't get a finals. Reggie Miller didn't get John Stockton, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Didn't get a finals. There's so many great players in the 90s that didn't get finals or didn't get a championship because of Michael Jordan. 
keeping them out of there. When Jordan was gone, those teams took advantage. The Rockets took advantage of that. Kim Olajuwon got his championship. Took very good advantage of that. But with Jordan there, those teams were not winning finals. Six finals in eight years. Six finals and MVPs. Five league MVPs. You can just go through those teams. He played five MV, five players that received top ten of the MVP voting in one year playing the playoffs. In the Eastern Conference, when LeBron James was dominating with the Cavaliers, the Eastern Conference was one of the weakest conferences in bet. There was a time, it was called the Leastern Conference. It was the worst, con- like, the Western Conference was so dominant and still is to a certain extent over the Eastern Conference for a good portion of the 2010s. Like, it's not even, comparing the two is not smart. Dominique Wilkins, don't have finals. I just thought that popped back in my head. Brad Doherty, I mean, he's not a great player, but he's a good player for the Cavaliers. Eastern Conference was terrible. So it's not really that difficult for the best player in the league to get to a championship with how bad the Eastern Conference was for a very large portion of the 2010s. He went nine finals in a row. Yeah, sick. When you're playing against nobody worth mentioning because everybody went to the Eastern Conference or Western Conference. The Raptors were the only competition, and then when they've got Kawhi Leonard in there, things were different because they had a different mentality with them. 76ers sucked until recently. The the Milwaukee Bucks sucked until recently. In the Brennan Jennings, Andrew Bogut era in Milwaukee. The Eastern Conference sucked throughout most of the 2010s. And a lot of the 2000s, I guess you could say. Once the Celtics broke up after their one championship, and the Celtics, if you talk to them, they're the greatest team of all time. That 2008 Celtics team, you would think they've won five championships. They won one. Like, that, that team's the most annoying team in NBA history. I think everybody can agree on that 2008 Celtics team. You guys won one championship. Stop parading around yourselves like you're some legendary team. You won one championship. I think Kendrick Perkins put them in those top five greatest teams of all time. They won one championship. Now, it might have been a year. I think it was the – he might have just thrown in the 08 Celtics as a team in general. But they won one champion. The way they talk about it, they went to one finals. It's not like they – or two finals. It's not like they were constantly in the finals. They went to two finals, won one of them, and that was it. The Pistons were in the – I remember the Pistons were in the playoffs. The Derrick Rose's rookie year when the Bulls and Celtics played, and the, Derrick Rose carried the Bulls to take that to seven before losing to Boston. The Cavalier, the Cavaliers were playing the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons had like 35 wins in the season and made the, the eighth seed. There was a time where the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference – would be last place or like second to last place in the Western Conference. I'm not gonna go last place because I don't think that's accurate, but second to last place is pretty accurate. In this documentary, for those of you just for those people who just forgot about how great Michael Jordan was, this reinserted your mind. And go, wow, this guy is definitely the greatest of all time. Now I'm not taking the just because I'm saying all this, 
and there's I've been saying a lot of bad things about LeBron. LeBron's still the second greatest player of all time. That's not taking anything away from that. But comparing him to Michael Jordan is no. My LeBron James is not better than Michael Jordan. And this documentary reminded a lot of people of that. For the people that swayed off the camp of Michael Jordan's the greatest to LeBron James the greatest, this is what brought them back. He retired for two years or a year and a half, came back, won another three-peat against a much more physical, much more dominant era of basketball. Like beating people up. You saw the clip of Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone just slapping each other, and <laughs> which body types, it's not even close. Carl Malone's a freaking mountain compared to Dennis Rodman. Michael George just used random crap to get him motivated, which is the crazy, like, some things that even said LeBradford, the thing that he said, like, good game, Mike. He never even said that. Jordan used his motivation, scored 36 points at halftime after he scored 37 in a game the day before. Just, things don't even need to happen. I saw something on Twitter, like, Michael Jordan had averaged four points. He went to therapy. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but, yeah, the people that were off the camp of LeBron or Michael being the greatest are now back. And happy to have you back. It's very nice to have you back here in the arms of the good side, I guess. Now people are going to be clamoring for a LeBron James documentary, which there will be one. There was already kind of one with the more than a game one with his high school team at St. Vincent St. Mary's. But like the entirety of his career, it's been pretty well documented because we've had social media. So we know pretty much what he's done throughout his career because it's been documented everywhere. But there will be one eventually. But, yeah, this just reminds you how great. Even my mom watched the Chicago. Like, everybody watched this Bulls team. Everybody watched Michael Jordan. Everybody loved Michael Jordan. Everyone wanted to be Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan doesn't even want to be Michael Jordan to a certain extent, which he said in a few episodes ago. I think it was episode seven. Maybe it wasn't, but maybe episode six. I don't remember which episode it was. But, yeah, just a great, great series. Episode 9, we had the likes of them playing the, the Indiana Pacers with the likes of Reggie Miller trash-talking to him early in his career and then coming back, you don't toss, talk trash to Black Jesus. With Reggie Miller making a shot, pushing off Michael Jordan, then Jordan coming back and rimming in and out like three or four times before it popped out on a double-clutch shot to take the lead there. But the Bulls ended up winning the game, winning the series. Jordan never been to a Game 7 in his career. Which is crazy to think about. That's another thing. I'd rather lose nine finals than, or six finals than lose in the first round. You still lost. You're losing regardless. Might as well have just gone out in the first round. No one cares who comes second, except for LeBron James fans. But the Pacers lose the series. Larry Bird, the head coach, takes a break from coaching basketball. I think he was there for two years or something. Then he left. But then you have the Pacers there. The Bulls going to play the Jazz. Carl Malone comes away with the 1997, geez, the 1997 NBA MVP. Jordan uses that in motivation. Fine. You think he's the MVP? I'm not taking anything away from Carl Malone, but you think he's the MVP? Fine. And Jordan did what Michael Jordan does. Dominate. Take the series. Bulls win. Six games. Just what they always did. 
And he had the famous flu game, which turned out to be a food poisoning game. Not flu game, but flu game just sounds cooler, doesn't it? I've had food poisoning before. It sucks. It is terrible. I would not go out and play basketball that day or the next day. Definitely wouldn't do that. I got sick the last year. I ate some pot stickers that I had in the, they were frozen pot stickers. I microwaved them. And the next day I threw up like crazy. I was miserable. I had to do a meeting as well with one of my professors talking about what I was going to do for my uh, speech that I was going to give in class. And I missed the time because I was throwing up. I can imagine playing a game, whether it's the flu or food poisoning. Either way, it sucks. I don't like it. And they said they had five guys delivering the pizza. Whether they were just Michael Jordan fans or whether they did something to the pizza, whatever. We're going to speculate, obviously. But, yeah. And Scottie Pippen said it best. No matter how sick he was, he's still the best player in the world. Gosh darn right, Scottie Pippen. Gosh darn right. I think it's awesome as well. After this one, or as we go into the game, Michael turns to Scott or Steve. Steve, be ready. They're gonna double me. Be ready. Steve Kerr, I'll be ready. Steve Kerr makes a shot. Bulls win finals. And LeBron or Michael <laughs> went out to say tonight. Steve Kerr earned his wings. Game six. Steve Kerr wins for the Bulls, and then you got the famous speech from Steve Kerr, one of the greatest championship speeches of all time. Phil Jackson, Michael, I want you to take the last shot. Michael goes, Coach. I don't feel comfortable with these situations. So I maybe, why don't we try something a little different? Why not give it to Steve? <laughs> One of the greatest things of all time. So I thought to myself, oh, well, now I got to bail Michael out again. Anyway, that's my story. Shot went in. I'm sticking to it. I love that speech. One of the greatest championship speeches of all time. You got Jordan laughing like crazy. It just everybody's laughing like crazy. It's one of the greatest clips of all time i love that speech i've seen it about a hundred times and i love it every single time i see it guys i gotta bail michael out again absolutely love that then we got episode 10 we go to the finals again against the utah jazz just another dominating performance bills bulls beat the pacers jazz waiting for them again bulls gotta go to utah like the next day and their Jazz are ready and waiting for them. Jazz win game one. And the Bulls win game two. Or wait, was it? Yeah, Bulls win game two. And then you got game three. The least amount of points scored in the shot clock era in NBA history. 54 points. In an NBA Finals. 96-54 to 54 was the final there. In game three of the NBA Finals. 54 points? You see some teams scoring that in a quarter. Some teams in a half, some teams in a half, some teams a quarter. 54 points? That's just an utter dominating performance there. One of the most lopsided games of all time. And then that, that night, or the next day or whatever, Dennis Rodman goes out to be a <laughs> NWO with Hulk Hogan. And, yeah, goes on WrestleMania. Beats people with a chair. But the thing about Dennis Rodman, I love this about Dennis Rodman. He never let things that went on the went off the court distract him for what he was doing on the court. And the next game, he comes out and dominates as he always did. 
because he was a different person off the court than he was on it. People have constantly talked about Dennis Rodman, one of the smartest players of all time. Probably one of the most disrespected players of all time in terms of basketball intelligence. But Dennis Rodman never, that I can think of, keep or would bring stuff that he did off the court onto the court. He would go to Vegas, as we talked that the documentary talked about earlier. He went to WWE or WWF, whatever it was at the time, be with Hulk Hogan, and didn't let it distract him from his play. And that's where I brought up that I was thinking of the Allen Iverson quote with talking about practice. Play a game, but we're talking about practice. Comment. Same with Allen Iverson. Practice. Yeah. Stuff every single week to the every single game. I'm gonna bring the exact same thing. Nothing's gonna change from my end. Talking about practice. That's what I love about that. And then you got game six. Scotty Pippen, the first points of the game, I think it was. Scotty Pippen throws out his back. Which was uh, not great. Not great. Because other than Scotty Pippen, if you look at the rest of the Bulls roster, there wasn't a lot of other scoring options. You had Steve Kerr could shoot the lights out of this arena, and Tony Kukoc for scoring. Des Rodman, best rebounder in NBA history, but not a very big threat scoring the basketball. Luke Longley, definitely not. Ron Harper, early in his career, yes, Ron Harper would score like crazy. But in that time, Ron Harper knew his role as a defensive guy and would just score about seven points a game, I think. Eight, seven, eight, nine points a game. So he didn't really have that many scoring options. So without Pippen in there, it was just thrown on Jordan, which he was fine with. He was like, I'm, I'm going to win at all costs. If I have to do that by myself, I'll do it. If I have to score every point, I'll do that. So he was fine with it. It's not something he hasn't done before. And he does that. He goes out. Bulls win the championship. Steals. So he got the shot. He makes the shot. Then he goes back down the court. Carl Malone's not looking at Jordan. Jordan steals it. Then he got the likes of Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen. Scotty, I was just a decoy for the whole game. And my main goal when Jordan got the ball was just to get out of the way. Dennis Rodman, he ain't passing that effing ball. <laughs> Dennis Rodman has no filter. I absolutely love it. And then Jordan, with the shot over Brian Russell, who had the thing about, Jordan, why are you retiring? You know I could guard you. Jordan used that as motivation again. Russell couldn't guard him. Russell, a good, uh, what do you want to call it? Good emotional player, good like um, energy player. You're not going to guard Michael Jordan. And then you got the people, oh, it's a push-off. If you watch the clip, and I've said this my entire life pretty much, it's no push-off. What are you talking about pushing off? It was like, ole. Or like Al Michaels said, it's like no more than someone, a waiter guiding you to your table. His momentum was already carrying that way, and he brushed him a little bit. There ain't no push-off there. It's LeBron fans conspiracy theory. But then you got Jordan making the shot, the most legendary shot in NBA history. Crowning off, retiring after the season, and then we have the whole war Wizards debacle, and I'm so happy they didn't bring that up in there. The old Washington Wizards thing where he tries to come in and draft his first player he drafts is Kwame Brown, and then he destroys Kwame Brown mentally to where Kwame Brown's career is just putty now. And yeah. I wish that actually I wish they did bring that in. I wish there I want to see some more clips. Because there has been some clips surfacing over the years. Of Jordan and Kwame Brown in practice. I want to see those. Because those would be hilarious. Because Jordan absolutely ruined <laughs> Kwame Brown. 
destroyed him, destroyed his will to live, absolutely murdered his career. But Kwame Brown is not mentally strong enough. That's what happened. Jordan's philosophy, you can look at me as an a-hole, but we're going to win at all costs. Jordan's the best player on the court, however old he was in his 40s. Still the best player on the court. Maybe you just destroy Kwame Brown. But it's still weird looking at him a wizard. He should have just never done the Wizards thing. If he didn't dislike Jerry Krause as much, he wouldn't have done the Wizards thing. Then we'd have no Charlotte Hornets now of him and the Charlotte Hornets trying to build a team. But you know what? It's the history of the NBA. Jordan in a Wizards uniform. As weird as it looks, it happened. <laughs> it's like it was his time with the Birmingham Barons. You had that, and now then you had the Wizards. But then after the season, obviously, going back to from just to the Bulls team, Reinsdorf called Phil in his office, offered him another chance to coach team. Phil said, you need a break. He didn't want to coach losers, pretty much, is what the team was going to be because they were going to get rid of Scotty. They were going to get rid of Dennis. They are going to get rid of all those guys. If Jordan would sign a one-year deal, they offered him. Jordan said he'd sign it. Same with Dennis. Same with Steve Kerr. Scotty would have been a little bit more needed more motivation to sign but if he saw everybody else was doing it he'd do it but then you had the start of the season which is just shows how why you would do this at the start of the year it's kind of like when the browns moved to baltimore you have that with the announcement middle of the season the browns were doing really good the beginning of the season middle of the season you go the browns are coming to baltimore why would you announce that middle of the season why would you announce that middle of the season the birthplace of football is Canton, Ohio, essentially. You had the Cleveland Browns a half hour away from Canton. You're moving them the ball. You're announcing that middle of the season? You expect them to make the playoffs still? That's something you announce at the end of the season. Just like Jerry Krause. You don't announce at the beginning of the season, Phil, you could go 82-0. and You're not coming back as the Bulls head coach. You don't do that. The Bulls, unlike the Browns, used his motivation and won a championship. So now you're going in. Now you make Jerry Krause look like a bad guy because to the players and coaches he was, a lot every single Bulls fan out there at the time, you go 82-0. He's not coming back. You don't say at the beginning of the season. And then now when the Bulls win their sixth championship, they're just breaking up without anybody taking the crown away from them. They're just handing it to the next team. Phil took a year off, came back with the LA Lakers, or a few years off, came back with the Lakers, then re- continued on winning championships with Kobe and Shaq. You had the Spurs starting to win games there. David Robinson, you get Tim Duncan in there. Draft him. So now the Spurs are winning championship games. But he didn't make, the the Bulls just gave it up. They didn't make anybody take it from him. Tim Floyd comes in after Phil Jackson comes in, and then everybody left. It's a little hard on Tim Floyd to judge him completely off that because Jerry Krause didn't build him a team properly after that. You had Elton Brand. You trade Elton Brand. You brought in the Twin Towers of Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. That didn't work. You had Jamal Crawford, a little spark in there. Draft Kirk Heinrich. Now, obviously, I think Kirk Heinrich was the last draft pick that Jerry Krause had. Maybe the last one. I 2002 or 2003 was his last year. Because I know 2003 was his last year. But was that, like, he ended it after the 2002-2003 season? Or did he draft Kirk Heinrich as well? I don't know. But... Yeah, Jordan retired, Phil Jackson was replaced, Scotty was traded, 
Steve Kerr was traded. Dennis Rodman was cut. And then the ending remarks of the last dance. The Bulls began to rebuild. And still they are. They just got rid of everybody in the front office. Starting to get some resemblance of a good team. They got a good starting five. Starting five of the Bulls is good. Their bench is absolutely atrocious. If you're replacing any of those players in the starting lineup, win healthy, win healthy. Win healthy, their starting lineup is Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Markkinen, and Wendell Carter. I almost said Denzel Valentine. That starting five is good. That's a very good starting five. Young, athletic, can shoot. You have four players in that starting five that could shoot the lights out of an arena. Wendell Carter is a very physical center. We'll get the rebounds. He won't shoot. He won't do anything extremely flashy, but he'll get your rebounds and get you about 10 points a game. Marketing, very good shooter. Can go down low as well. Seven foot tall, can rebound, can do all that stuff. Otto Porter can shoot, can score, good defender. Levine, the best player on the team. Can score, can dunk, is a leader to what I, well, from what we can tell, just needs to work a little bit more on defense. Still a decent defender. And then Kobe White, young, can shoot the lights out of every single arena. He's got that flame. He's like, what exactly? He called him a flamethrower pretty much. Because he is. Kobe White's uh, going to be a beast in the NBA. From what we can tell right now, see where the Bulls go in the draft. But they're starting to show some resemblance of a team. Get rid of Jim Boylan and draft. I saw they were looking at an Auburn guy. can't remember his name. And Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton would be interesting because if Kobe White comes off the bench and does that Jamal Crawford role, which he could very well do, or Lou Williams, whatever, Eric Gordon. Then you get Tyrese Halliburton to be that distributor, and you're looking like a good team. Because the backup point guard situation behind, the, behind Kobe White's not great. Chris Dunn, one of the best, un, most one of the most underrated defenders in the league. I've said that ever since he came to Chicago. But he's more in-depth to that Marcus Smart role than being the starting point guard for the Bulls. Marcus Smart, I think, starts now as a shooting guard, but... Chris Dunn's not a shooter. He's never been able to really shoot the basketball. So get a guy like Tyrese Halliburton in there. If you want to do the Kobe White thing of bringing him off the bench, Chris Dunn could be your backup point guard. Kobe White could be the backup to Levine, bringing the ball up the court still. Or if you want to go somewhere like small forward or something, get another center in there because the center options behind Wendell Carter are not great either. There's just not great backups on that Bulls team. But they're starting to show signs of they might be actually to be something in about two or three years. So that's the hope, bringing in new guys in the front office, hopefully getting Jim Boylan and punting him somewhere else and getting a new coach in there. I don't know who it would be, but I think they screwed Fred Hoiberg So now they finally built a team that fits what Fred Hoiberg wants to do, and they just axed him for Jim Boylan because they wanted a little puppet in there, a little blobfish puppet, but now their guys are gone. So now Jim Boylan, you got no one that supports you in that organization anymore, buddy. Jim Boylan would be shocked if he lost his job. He shouldn't be shocked. That should be the least shocking thing of all time of Jim Boylan losing his job. We want the Bulls back. The early 2010 Bulls were awesome. We never got a championship, though. We might be building something now, and that's what all Bulls fans really, really want. They are That ends with the Bulls began to rebuild. And to this day, to this day, as Deontay Wilder says, 
They're still rebuilding. It sucks because no one wants to watch rebuilding basketball. No one wants to watch their team rebuild. Everybody wants their team to be good. Wants their team to win a championship. Nobody wants to keep seeing their team constantly, year in and year out, be in the lottery. Yeah, being in the lottery is fun because you get to pick out of the top players in basketball. But it's not fun when you're just losing all the time. You want to do the situation like the Celtics did. Totally kill some team's future and steal all their draft picks and build a nice little team around it. Like getting Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown from the New- Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets, to their credit, are starting to show some semblance of life. Made the playoffs last year. So... Then they've got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving there, DeAndre Jordan. So they got pieces. Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever he's trying to do. I'm not going to go in-depth on whatever Spencer Dinwiddie's trying to do. I, I, If he thinks people are going to really donate money to get him to $24 million, I think he's a little crazy. I don't think people care that much about Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm sorry, Spencer, but I don't think that many people care about where you go play basketball, to be honest. Now, the Bulls, I would love to see you guys go after Anthony Davis. So, on one-year contract in L.A., bring him back to Chicago. That's the goal, though. Get Anthony Davis back. Then we could get... We don't have anybody right now in the Bulls where the announcers can go, From Chicago! That's one of my favorite parts. They had that with Derrick Rose. They had that with Dwayne Wade. I loved that. Get Anthony Davis in. Whew! Wendell Carter can come off the bench. I don't care. AD, that's starting five of Kobe... Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry Market, and Anthony Davis. And then whoever they draft coming off the bench with Otto Porter as well, Chris Dunn coming off the bench. That is showing a sign of a team that might actually be able to do something. You get a guy that can bring in the head, right head coach, we're doing good. They brought the guy that helped build the Nuggets to where they are now. That's the dream. I mean, we want to be better than Nuggets because we want to win a championship, but got to start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. So, with that being said, The Last Dance, I heard it a nice little 10 out of 10. Brilliant watch. It was much needed in this time. Thank you to ESPN for releasing it a lot earlier than what you guys were originally expecting to. Because the world just needed it. The United States and world, the sporting world just needed it. Some sports thing that we knew was going to be on, and we were going to watch it together. I loved it. And it's just a documentary, which is the weird part about it. Because you don't, it's not anything like actual lie it's just a documentary but it was a great documentary well done to everybody that was a part of the last dance documentary i enjoyed all my time watching it and i can't look forward to see what you guys got planned next and with that being said my my top five documentaries that i want to see next they're all basketball documentaries i didn't go in depth i am excited though for that mark mcguire sammy sosa one that one's gonna be awesome because my childhood was based off Sammy Sosa. My nickname was Sammy Sosa in Little League Baseball. My favorite team was the Cubs. My first baseball jersey was a Sammy Sosa jersey. Love Sammy Sosa. I want to see them get interviewed because I want to see how pink he is now because he looks like a Pepto-Bismol bottle. Or not bottle, but the liquid. He just looks like (laughs) Pepto-Bismol. But here are my top five basketball documentaries I want to see. Starting at number five, moving our way up to number one. Number five, the 2011-2014 Miami Heat. Uh, the the big three, LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh. I want to see that because that will total in the whole I'm going, I'm taking my talents to South Beach type thing. The dumbest thing of TV I've ever watched. My t- I don't know why I watched that, but it was there. The hatred 
and I'm talking capital H-A-T-E from Cleveland after he made that decision with the burning jerseys. The return to Cleveland when he came back with the Heat playing in the playing against the Cavaliers. The hatred for the for him in the city of Cleveland was insane. Good lord, the hatred was big. And you get LeBron's first championship reigns, got two rings in four years. Impressive stuff there. Getting title MVP, losing in championships to the Mavericks and the Spurs, but you won two championships, got two finals MVPs. You can talk about the struggles that they went through in that first year trying to get everybody to go into their roles. He had three alphas on that team. They're all alphas from where they came from. LeBron with the Cavs, Chris Bosh with the Raptors, and then Dwayne Wade obviously with the Heat. Wade County. The Heat are Dwayne Wade. The Heat are nothing without Dwayne Wade. And so with them trying to all figure out their roles, it was fine being the third wheel. I think it was Dwayne Wade and LeBron that at the time – struggled to finding their roles because Dwayne this was Dwayne Wade's team. This is Dwayne Wade's city. They got LeBron James coming in who's the best player. So that's the problem that they faced at the beginning. They struggled at the beginning of the season, but then they figured it out, got to the finals, and then Dwayne Wade pretty much carried them to the finals. That first team, that first year in Miami, it was Dwayne Wade's team. And the Heat just couldn't get because that was the year that they made fun of Dirk Nowitzki and yeah, if you're going to make fun of somebody, you better back it up. Like what Jordan said. Got to talk trash when it's 0-0. Zero, zero. But if you're going to do that, you got to show up. Got to show up. Can't give anybody extra motivation to do something by making fun of them. That's what the Heat did with Dirk. And they lost the series. Tough. Sorry. But again, they never kept anybody from losing championships. They never... There's players... They have won championships in this time that they did not keep from losing. Keep from losing championships. They're not even getting to championship games. But, yeah. That Heat team was awesome. Then you can go into LeBron's return to Cleveland. And then you got Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh down in Miami. Chris Bosh's health issues, his heart issues. Dwayne Wade going back to Chicago. Dwayne Wade's return to Miami. So, like, there's a lot of things you could do, but it'd be focused on that 2011-2014 that time frame. But you could do a lot of other things with that thing. But I think that'd be very, very interesting. Again, we've had LeBron James documentaries. We've had Dwayne Wade uh, 30 for 30s. So, we've had all these things before. So, it's not like it'd be something completely different. Like, we've never had this before with The Last Dance. But it'd be interesting to see the whole team aspect from the Miami Heat, how everybody adjusted to the roles that they had. And Eric Spolstra going from videographer of the team to head coach, coaching all of these legendary players. And he's still the head coach of the Heat, which is crazy to think about. And the Heat are looking very good. We got a lot of good, talented young players on that team, spearheaded by Jimmy Butler. They got a talented team down there in Miami. Number four, this one's a personal one for me. The early 2010 Chicago Bulls. Derrick Rose, Tom Thibodeau, Luol Deng, Joakim Noah, and the whole drama with the front office. The Bulls were a consistent top three seed in the play in the Eastern Conference without Derrick Rose. Joakim Noah came fourth in the MVP voting one year, which is crazy to think about. People forget how good Joakim Noah was. He was the Bulls when Derrick Rose was out. He played point guard, center, and he played all the positions. 
not very fun to look at playing basketball, but he was a good, efficient basketball player. So with this team, you got the front office versus Tom Thibodeau. They hated each other, which is why he got pushed out. It's much like the Phil Jackson thing in Chicago. Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson, they like each other. Tom Thibodeau, the front office of Chicago Bulls, did not like each other. So the Bulls got, he got run out of town, brought in Fred Hoiberg. It just so happens that it happened to be another Iowa State head coach. Then you have the youngest MVP in NBA history coming from college at Memphis. Bulls bringing them back to the playoffs with Vinny Del Negro. To almost beating the Boston Celtics in the first round of the playoffs and then going to injured with his tornado to expendable where they trade him to the New York Knicks and then you got Joe Kim Noah earlier fourth in the MVP voting with what he did because when he first came to the Chicago Bulls they didn't like him I remember there used to, there was a big whole page in sports my, my grandma Blackman used to get Sports Illustrated for us that was like our Christmas present. She got us a subscription to Sports Illustrated. And that was one of the pages with Joakim Noah in Chicago. That they were going to trade him. They were going to be gone. They weren't liking him in Chicago. You had Luol Deng there, who was the like Kirk Heinrich, the two best players on the Bulls before Derrick Rose got there. You had Ben in the early stage of that point. You got to an Eastern Conference Finals. And then the next year, tears his ACL, and then he's never the same again. Then you bring in Jimmy Butler. The Butler had, had, had all these good things. Bring in Carlos Boozer. bringing in Rip Hamilton. And all these different things that would make for a great documentary series. And I think there's a lot of drama there. That Chicago, the drama and the Chicago Bulls are always next to each other. They're, like, they're best friends, pretty much. And it's not... That is so much like the 90s Bulls with the drama there. They had that there in the early 2010s. Number three, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I know you, you, I'm guessing you know which ones I'm talking about. You can go many, many years with this one. You got the uh, KD, Russ, and Harden and never winning in a finals. Going to a finals, but never winning one. Going toe-to-toe with the Lakers in the Western Conference. Playing the Miami Heat. Like, they got some great players. Three, All three of them won an MVP. All three of them won an MVP. So, it's, they're great players. All three are gone now. Two in Houston, one in Brooklyn. Then you got the whole move from Seattle to OKC. Well, they, I remember they almost beat the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs, and that was huge that they almost did that. They didn't, obviously, but they almost did. And then you got the early struggles, as we said, the con- the consistent finals appearances that they had, the the Western Conference finals appearances, the drama with KD leaving for Golden State, the whole Russell Westbrook versus KD stuff. Like, there's so many things you could do with that Oklahoma City one. The first triple-double season since Oscar Robertson. There's so many things that you could do with that Oklahoma City team. Trading James, Hard- James Harden going to Houston because you want to keep Serge Ibaka there. Getting Kendrick Perkins from Boston. Like, you had so many things you could do with this team. And I think that would make for an awesome documentary. And then I stole this from Twitter because these are obviously the two other ones you would want. Number two, the late 2010 Golden State Warriors. Like, you go from a team that in the 2000s was the Believe Warriors or what, what, something like that. The We Believe Warriors. 
with Baron Davis, Matt Barnes, Jason Richardson. So you had those players there. And then you got to a really bad point in Warriors basketball where you had the likes of Monte Ellis, but he couldn't really do a lot. Monte Ellis, David Lee was there. But they couldn't do anything. They just weren't a good team. Then you drafted Steph Curry. Steph Curry didn't want to play for the Warriors. Steph Curry said, I don't want to play for you guys. The offense don't fit me. I don't want to play there. And they took him anyways. And then you got the Minnesota Timberwolves taking two point guards before Steph Curry and rookie Rubio. And Steph Curry, second, or the, what was it? He's one of the, I think he, was he the first ever unanimous MVP? So you got the MVP season that he had, the changing the game of basketball, people looking for Steve Kerr. I think I've mentioned this before. He would be awesome in today's MVP fit perfectly which is why the Warriors have done so well because he's known how to implement what he did to extent and coach them how he would play this team has been then getting Clay Thompson and then almost trading Clay Thompson to the Hornets at the time for Chris Paul but that didn't happen and then trying to figure out if you want to move on from Monte Ellis and move Getting Draymond Green when David Lee was already there, getting that physical presence in the second round of the draft, getting that in there, getting Andre Iguodala in free agency, getting Kevin Durant from Oklahoma City, just completely eliminating another threat in the Western Conference, an already really deep Western Conference, by getting Kevin Durant there. Like, there's so many things you could do with this Warriors team. They changed the game of basketball now. Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. Now you can go with, like, oh, he's never won a finals MVP. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he didn't change the game of basketball. With the shooting, the no-look shots, turning around to the bench and just trash-talking to them. He is the greatest shooter of all time, and the second-greatest shooter of all time, who doesn't get talked about as much, is because he's on the same team. It's Clay Thompson. You have two of the greatest shooters of all time. You have... Multiple championships. You have the greatest regular season in NBA history with 73 wins, record-wise, greatest season ever. And then, yeah, you just have that great team for that period of time, replacing Mark Jackson with Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr deciding between the Knicks and the Golden State Warriors with a lot of people pointing to him going to the Knicks. What would happen to that if he didn't go to the Warriors? So many things that could happen with that Warriors team. I think that'd be a very fun documentary. And number one, this is like easily, there's really no contest between this one and everyone else. Kobe and Shaq Lakers. The the dynasty that could have been, pretty much. They won three championships. And then they got in beef and then Shaq was gone. How many championships would they have won if Shaq never left the Lakers? If you never got, did he get traded or let go in free agency? I can't remember. But the beef that was there, Phil Jackson coming back to coaching to get the Lakers. The Lakers taking Kobe Bryant from the Hornets. Sending over Vladi Diva. Like, what? You're going to give us Kobe Bryant? Oh, okay. We'll take that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Or getting Vladi. I can't remember which way it was. Getting Vladdy Deepak or sending him. I don't remember. I know he played for the Lakers and Horns at some point. <laughs> we got the beef there. The diss tracks. You got the post-Shack Lakers. 
So you can go in to the late 2010s Lakers with Kobe winning his two championships by himself. Switching from number eight to 24. Ten years in both numbers. The the next Michael Jordan, as people called it. The different bust-ups between Kobe and Shaq. The losing to the Detroit Pistons in the finals that they were heavily favored over. There's so many things you could do. The dynasty that could have been but wasn't. Like the 85 Chicago Bears. What could have been? The greatest defense of all time. One of the greatest football teams of all time. 15-1 and one, have never been anywhere close to that same point since then. You can go to the 2006 Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. They did go to the Super Bowl, but that team was not anywhere the same as that team in 85. So what could have been Dynasty? What could have been if the Bills won one of those four Super Bowls? We might be talking about the greatest team of all time. No team's ever gone to four in a row. What if looking at them in a completely different light but this Kobe Shaq thing that changes the entire face of the NBA because Shaq doesn't go to Miami at that point do the Heat win the finals still beating the Mavericks Dwayne Wade it was Dwayne Wade's team and he was the reason they won the finals but do the Heat still win without Shaq if he stays with the Lakers do the Lakers beat the Heat in the finals do the Mavericks go to the finals does Dirk get his first championship ring? That would be an intro. I would love to see the Kobe and Shaq ones. Um, other documentaries that we could have but didn't make the top five, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, on record-wise, they're the greatest team of all time. Based off all-time record win percentage, they're the greatest team of all time. But it would be so boring. They're not very fun. They're not very eccentric. We had Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monty Ginobili, Great player, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich won't even probably let this happen. There's no way Greg Popovich would let that happen. Would he? Probably not. He doesn't like the media anyways. I don't think he would be like, oh yeah, bring everybody in. I can't see him doing that. Uh, the 2008 Celtics, as we said earlier, you'd think they're the greatest team of all time by the way they talk about it. They won one championship. You'd think they won five of them. No, they didn't. You can go back with that with like the early days before they got KG and Ray Allen, how bad they were. Uh, drafting Rajon Rondo from Kentucky, getting Kendrick Perkins. Glenn Davis was always an interesting character. Eddie House was there as well. Who else was on that team? Um, Eddie Poe? Was he on the team? Something Poe? Tony Allen? Young Tony Allen was on that team. Doc Rivers going to the finals against the Lakers, the Kobe Bryant Lakers. Then going there again and losing to them the next year. You can do a doc about that team. Uh, the 76ers process team. Like getting the, getting the process of drafting Joel Embiid, uh, Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel, Ben Simmons. Like trust the process. Brett Brown's keeping his job through all of that. Like that would be an insane documentary as well. The Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban when he bought the team versus before he bought the team. Drafting Dirk Nowitzki, getting Steve Nash, and then trading him to Phoenix. Or letting him go to Phoenix. Dallas would be a good one. The Brooklyn Nets, moving to Brooklyn, the Russian takeover, moving from New Jersey, getting Jason Kidd as a head coach, being absolutely terrible, trading away all your draft picks for Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and Kevin Garnett to allow the Celtics rebuild to come so much faster than what it was. And now suddenly starting to get back to good. Looking a little better now. 
And then the early 2000s, late 90s, Sacramento Kings. Got like Jason Williams, Mike Bibby, Peja Storyakovich, uh, Chris Weber. Like that team was good. But they never got anything. Sadly for them, Sacramento's got some great fans. And they haven't been good to any sort of that level since then. I think they have the longest playoff drought in NBA history. Active playoff drought. I think it's them and the Timberwolves. I can't remember which one had it first or which one's been there hasn't been there the longest but those would be fun those would be some fun documentary i don't think they'd reach the same level as the last dance but i would watch the crap out of all those documentaries i would love to watch all of those and i think they'd be very i would love to see a 2010 bulls team the 2010s i would love to see those bulls teams documentaries because Tibbet versus the front office derrick rose went into the mvp joakim noah luol dang carlos boozer with the painted hot hair I just would love to see that documentary, but that might not be the common opinion about everybody, but that's my opinion about the documentaries. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman show. We'll come back. We got some stuff to talk about the 2018 draft class, strength of schedule, and we've got my super team of best player, one player from each team, no repeating teams coming up right after this. Welcome back to this last little bit of the Logan Blackman show today. Guys, we got like a half hour or so left in this Monday edition. I almost said Friday. I wish it was Friday. But Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. This has gone on for quite a long time today. This show's gone very long. Very, 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 very long time today. And I would just like this to get over so I can upload this and get this on the interwebs. But so far, we're... Again, we got about a half hour left, so we're not really that close yet. Hopefully, we'll get it up to you guys around 3, maybe 3.30. If you guys are listening to this right now, which you aren't because I'm recording it right now. I'm not talking to anybody, but if you're listening to this right now, welcome to this far of the Logan Blackman Show. No one texted me about the last little bit of the Logan Blackman Show where I said uh, Sprite Cranberry, but you know what? That's whatever. We're here now, and that's all that really and truly matters. If you mean if you if I mean anything to you, you should go check out the new Logan Blackman show website. We updated it today, changed the color scheme of the website to make it look a little bit more fun. I guess red, white and blue is the color combination cuz that's America's colors. So why not make it the website's colors? I updated it today, got the colors on it. You can go to the website. I'll go to it right now so we can walk through this together. So going on the website, the first thing you see is my beautiful face. And our opening thing it says the Logan Blackman show and our slogan, the best show you've never listened to, which I coined that my freshman year of college, I think it was. And I enjoyed that slogan. So I'll probably keep it for the remainder of my career as a radio show host. If I keep doing this, got a little brief description of what the Logan Blackman show is. If you scroll down, then we got our hashtag Friday fun day tier list this week's tier list top soccer players over the past 10 years. And we got that little tier list up there. Got a little different. Logan Blackman Show is back. Make sure to listen to Logan Blackman Show podcast on either SoundCloud or Spotify. Episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Stay tuned for each episode. And then I got a little contact information on the bottom at the top. On the toolbar, you can go through the podcast, which is just got little different little links. We got the, Spotify, the SoundCloud link and the Spotify link if you want to go to each of those different places. Then we got the last three episodes. This will get updated today. But if you click on each link, it will take you to that day of the Spotify account. So if you want to go to the SoundCloud, 
you're gonna have to click the soundcloud link which is above if not and you just click on each episode day that's just gonna take you to the spotify account the blog we're gonna update a blog a little bit later today at least i'm gonna try to about the last dance if not i'll get it out tomorrow or wednesday just we'll we'll see we'll play it by time and that's just dedicated to the blogs i've written which is just loaded with mock drafts right now got a few blogs in there like why am i an idiot 2020 nfl draft edition 2004 2010 or 2020 uh the opr thing my big board which i only released one of those i don't know why i didn't make more of them but yeah that was my blog since we also added in an interview section to where I got all of my interviews that I've done on the Logan Blackman show. So we got the Taylor Luan video. We got the Austin Fife video. And then we got the Will McIlvain interview. Which you can click on. And that will take you. If you click on the main like talking thing. It will open up a little extra thing. A little extra window. And you can play the video through YouTube. So we'll just do that. So yeah, just go to the Logan Blackman show account. If you're, if you're interested in hiring me for anything, I got my resume on there as well. So make sure to click on the resume page if you want to see. But different color scheme. I wanted to change it up a little bit because I liked the way it looked. I just thought it'd be more colorful if we did it like this. I just think it fits better for this general thing. If you don't like it, then you don't have to go to it. But I would very much appreciate it if you did just view the website because that much appreciate it if you visited the website. I'm going to do this real quick because it's bothering me and I didn't made it through Wix. It was for an assignment that we had to do in my... And we had to make this website and we would upload like our homework assignments to here. Then we'd share the website with our professor. Now I'm not in that class anymore, obviously. So I just transitioned the website to being a Logan Blackman show website. I just thought it worked. I, I like the website. I I've, I never thought of changing it. It's just a fun little website that we've done. And I enjoy looking at it. If you want to go look at it. Again, that'd mean the world to me if you did. I'm just adjusting. I'm cropping an image right now because it looked weird on the the podcast. That'd be super fantastic. And, of course, it's taken super long. About the 2018 draft class. Now, the 2018 draft class saw the likes of Kyler Murray. Or not <coughs> <clears throat> saw the likes of Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, the Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. We've got all these great players, a very young, talented player. Glory with the likes of DeAndre Baker getting arrested for all Licensed weapon in his vehicle while having an open container in between his legs while driving. Trying to rob somebody when you're in the NFL. 
The last thing... the drunk driving thing it's a terrible thing that people should never do but they're both equally dangerous and both equally stupid to do but you don't need to rob baker was by the new york giants they traded back into the first round to get him for mr baker like what 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 is he gonna do? Is are are they gonna cut him? Are they gonna suspend him? I don't really know what's going on. But had him way outside the first round because of his meetings that he had going into the compound. He does have a lot of talent. He's a consensus All American in it in twenty eighteen. They had, there were red flags pointing up everywhere. So now we play the waiting game. What happens next with DeAndre Baker? Soon. So he might be able to go back to the Giants, but if I was next, next season, and the Jets and Bills are playing week one next year. Quinn and Williams, the number three. the top 10 picks of last year's or 2019 draft are suspended for the first week of the NFL. Now, on the face of it, that's not a lot of players, but you really, you're really Against your people you drafted in the first round, which is a very high He used to spend he already had a very poor rookie year for what the expectations were going into this and was gonna go in this season as the starter, as the three tech for the Buffalo Bills. Now He was wearing a Bills shirt doing it. He wears a Bills shirt or something with the Buffalo Bills shirt on. He's bought into the program. He's bought into the process. He is not a great look for what the Bills are trying to build. And the... I think this was a very dumb decision that he made. And I bet But you know what? We'll move on from it. Everybody makes mistakes. It's very, very bad and very, very wrong. So don't get this twisted like I'm saying that it's okay that he drunk dread. Out of what we can do as humans. One of the dumbest things anybody could ever do. He's got the three strike policy for the NFL. This is his first strike. 
two game suspension. So he's a little different. Uh, you're pointing a gun at somebody or a got more knowledgeable about the situation that DeAndre Baker's in, but it's just not a great look. Quentin Dunbar, the other person involved in this, just it was a robbery that they got him. Class. <sighs> Hopefully, Baker and Oliver, Quentin Williams can all learn from these mistakes and move forward and be better players out of it. It's fun. They're all in New York. Well, actually, they got New York listed. There. something wrong there but yeah just just learn from it everybody if you're listening to this learn from it john j breaker's attorney said see how he does after this i hope he does better after this because it's giants the nfl whatever it's just not a great look so with that being said let's just go in NFL, and we'll go with my team of players that it's in my notes on my phone um where's this thing at so so stipulations one player from a team so i can't have multiple players from multiple teams i had to choose one player from a team and put them in the list okay so that's what happened here. Now there's a lot of good players on a lot of teams. So it's hard to choose which ones. It's like there's a wide receiver that might be very, very good. But a safety might also be very, very good. But there's a lot bigger drop-off for that one guy than the other guy. So if you hate the list, tell me you hate the list. But if not, so it's one team in each, one player from each team can't repeat teams. And some teams will get left off. There's six teams that have been left off, I believe. Or no, five teams that have been left off. So here we go. Starting with offense. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Filled with the player that was in Lamar Jackson's spot. Wait, do I? Like 14 Pro Bowlers last year. 12 Pro Bowlers. They had an insane number of Pro Bowlers last year. So it's hard to leave a lot of those guys off, but... So I could put Tyree. I would. I thought about Tyreek Hill. Thought about Kelsey. Thought about Christian McCaffrey. There's only one good player on the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> That's so. If I was going to leave them off, I would have to get someone to replace McCaffrey. But I think. McC Those are my number one and two options for running backs, but I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey here. Full deleted it a few, like a couple days ago. He's one of the best blocking fullbacks in the NFL. I could have put Kyle. 
in the NFL. James Devlin for the Patriots is another option there. You got a lot of good players. Derek. Comeback. But CJ Ham, I'm going to throw him as the fullback here for representing the Vikings. There's a lot of players you could choose for wide receiver. A lot of very talented wide receivers. A lot of their players I would put on this list to replace them. So you have like Deion Jones could be a replacement. That for a Falcons player. Julio Jones has to make the list. Wider, number two wide receiver. Because I had Derwin James on the list. But then you have to go with, who am I going to put as the other wide receiver? Right? I had another position that I needed a right, needed another position there. So I had to leave Michael Thomas up. That I could replace them and leave and have another team there. Are the teams that were left. CJ Ham, I almost put in Adam Thielen, but all the other players that I had. Uh, tight end, George Kittle. He was the second player I threw on this list. And best yards after catch player in the NFL. Best yards after contact player in the NFL. Now, single season and is one of the be biggest faces in the NFL. George Kittle. And now he's listed as Pro Football Focus's best player in the NFL. Ari from the Packers. He's the best left tackle in the NFL. I think you throw in Terry. Uh, as well. Schwartz from the Kansas City Chiefs can get thrown in there. But I had other players that... Left guard, Quentin Nelson. He's the best guard in the NFL. He might be the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Quentin Nelson, best run block. If not, it's close to his last years in the league. But he's a very talented, very mature, not mature, in very nicely with this team right guard Zach Martin Zach Martin is one of the best guards in the NFL this interior off the line is unstoppable Colts or Cowboys somehow get Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin. That would be an elite interior line. I couldn't really feel, I couldn't really think of any other right tackles that filled 
tackle or right tackle? I can't remember. But again, you got to look at the other players that you're throwing in this list. Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs, Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, CJ Ham from the Vikings, 49ers, David Bakhtiari, Packers, Quentin Nelson, Colts, Jason Kelsey, Eagles, players defensive end tj or jj watt from the houston texas but i chose one and we'll talk about him in a little bit but jj watt one of the most So he easily goes on this list. He's the best player in the NFL. So he easily goes on this list. He will Aaron Donald were my no doubters on this list. And then my second defensive We can go Terrell Edmonds. We could go what? Devin Bush. We got a lot of players we could forward. For my interior D lineman, I couldn't figure out who else I wanted to put in there. The problem with my 3-4 D4. in this list so I had to throw Hammered in there uh, the other defensive end is Chandler Jones I'll put it I'll say it like that this is a weird defense I got a lot of PM and Consistent and underrated because he never gets talked about because he's on a very, very bad team. Sure. And is consistently near the top of the NFL in sack numbers. They just added him, and their defense was instantly one of the best in the NFL. They might not be a le- like a stereotypical 4-3 defender, 4-3 linebacker, but we're throwing him in here because he does have the ability to drop back. Wagner was in the 99 club last year in the Madden with the likes of Aaron Donald with the 
DeAndre Hopkins was hard to lead off because I wanted, I had to put in Chandler Jones. Middle linebacker, it's kind of crazy. I think he's the big, I think middle linebackers, the League out of every position, middle linebacker Bobby Wagner is levels above everybody else. As some of the other linebackers, he's a more natural fit for outside linebacker in a three four defense. Doesn't get talked about a lot. So you could have had the likes of Chris Godwin or Michael Thomason. So that was the tough part with that. But Levante David, I would have thrown... with. It was just hard leaving him out. So I had to put Levante David in. That these two are the best corners in the NFL. Trey White, Stephon Gilmore. They're Buffalo for a very, very long time. Guys, fifth year option picked up. Hopefully a big player. of the year. Stephon Gilmore went from good to which just happens when you're getting coached by Rob Ryan. But then I was like, I don't know who I'm going to put as the other wide receiver. So I put Titans. One of the best deep playing safeties in the NFL. Constantly. both kind of do similar things so when i put them both together it's kind of like we're having just paris i think very well with kevin byard and i think it fits very well it fits nice deep Or CJ, not C, he was on the Steelers or Ravens. Marlon Humphrey, like. Early
in the next kicker in the NFL. Which is weird to say because kicker is a, a kicker. Tennessee Titans originally, but once I moved Derwin James off the safety spot, that opened up a spot for Johnny Hecker would have been in here as well if it weren't for Aaron Donald. Like, that's just unfair for him because he's already there. there as well. But so Tresway, I think, fits in very nicely with the. So Cordell Patterson is not on this team because of Khalil Mack. But Westbrook from the Jaguars, they're not great returners. They're good returners, but nothing. They're just two average guys there. They'll do things. Maybe you could throw in like thrown in this list but you got trey white there from buffalo so yeah and then just as well as my long snapper so here's the defense and special teams we got jj from the cardinals khalil mack from the bears bobby wagner from the seahawks levante david from the buccaneers Byard from the Titans, Justin Tucker from the Ravens, Tresway from the Redskins, from the New York Football Giants. So at first glance, who do I not have? Who else don't I have in this list? I'm trying to figure. This is just a, I should have wrote this down somewhere on this list. Those are the only two I know for a hundred for a hundred percent. The Raiders are not on this list. I don't. The Cleveland Browns didn't make it, and then um, the Denver Broncos. The Browns and Raiders did not cut. Did not make the cut for the list. But my stipulations were if you want to do this go do it yourself it was very fun to do i enjoyed it i thoroughly enjoyed making that list and i hope all of you do the exact same thing as well because it's very fun and before we close out today's show i want to go over this because this got released a couple days ago or got posted places it was released right after the schedules got released but strength of schedule so here is the opponent's win percentage from a season before. So strength of schedule for the lead. The Patriots, unsurprisingly, have the toughest schedule in the NFL. Followed by the Jets, Dolphins, 49ers, and Falcons. The Buffalo Bills sit at sixth. So in the top six, we have all four AFC East teams. Followed by an a- NFC South and NFC West team. And then we got the bottom of the list. The Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Dallas Cowboys, Cleveland Browns, Washington Redskins. And much like the Bills in six, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are sitting there. And so out of the bottom part of the league, you've got four of the bottom spots out of the top, bottom six 
are dominated by the AFC North. The Ravens, going into this season, they have the lowest strength of schedule in the league. They just went 14-2. and two. Colin Coward has them winning 10 games. Their win percentage of the teams they played from la- going into this season is 43.8%. They're not going to win 10 games. They're going to win around 13. And the Patriots, with the hardest schedule followed by the Jets and Dolphins, who were already teams that were not expected to make a lot of noise this year, are going to be pushing it, make it a little harder for them. So you never know. But then you got the likes of the Chiefs, who have around 500 for their schedule, for their strength of schedule towards the bottom half of the league. Got the Chargers in the bottom half of the league as well. Teams that struggled last year, like the Cardinals, Falcons, as we said earlier, the Rams, Broncos, Bears, all in the top half of the league as far as hardest schedules to go in. So we've got some difficult games. For those teams, but in the bottom half, you got like the Browns, the Redskins, Bengals, Giants, uh, Jaguars, Chargers. All of those teams are in the lower half of the league, so it looks good for them going in to the season. And I thought this was really interesting. According, I can't remember a website I took this off of, but toughest running back schedules in 2020: the Giants, the Browns, and the Bengals. And I saw this like a half hour later. The most rushes of 20 plus yards since 2018 are Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. <laughs> and they're all going in the hardest schedules for running backs going into next season. Saquon Barkley had 24, Nick Chubb is 22, and Joe Mixon has 17. I just thought that was hilarious because I was like, these three have the hardest schedules for running backs, and all of those same three have the most rushes over 20-plus yards since 2018. That's crazy. And, and what's crazier to think about Josh Allen has the same number of rushing touchdowns as Saquon Barkley. Barkley's played two more games than Josh Allen and is a running back. Yet they both have 17 rushing touchdowns so far in their career. And this was on another website as well. League leaders and game-winning drives. The top of the list are at five. It's a three-way tie between Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Allen. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen all sit there at five for the league leaders in game-winning drives last season. Which is crazy because Josh Allen sucks, so you never know. Even Chris Morton said the the narrative that Josh Allen sucks needs to stop because now it's just getting stupid. And, yeah, it is. But you know what? People are going to do what they want to do, and they're going to trash whatever they want to do. I don't really care. I mean, I do care, obviously, because I talk about it all the time, but people just be stupid sometimes. I just got to educate them a little. You got to learn them a little bit. And what we were talking about with the Ravens, with the easiest strength of schedule going into the season, their teams against the Rush last year that are playing, their teams are this upcoming season, against teams that against the run, as far as yards per game, you look at their first five games of the season, you don't have a team ranked outside 25th in rush defense the Browns ranked 30th last year the Houston Texans were that 25th they ranked 25th the Chiefs ranked 26th the Washington Redskins ranked 31st and the Bengals played 30 ranked 32nd so out of your first five games three of them are the three worst rush defenses in the league and they're playing the Chiefs at home this year they played them on the road last year in Kansas City still trying to work the kinks out in their offense and 
at home, probably a night game, wearing the all-black uniforms in Baltimore. Stadiums to play in. And at your first five games of the season, you're playing three of them. That were 25th and 26th. And then we go on. Then we get a little tougher. We play the pitch. And then we go back down. We start moving back down. So we have a really tough stretch from week six to week nine. Top seven rush defense in the Patriots, Colts, and Eagles. And then you go. And then we go easy again. We got the Browns and Bengals. We got to remember when the Browns and Bengals division here. The same thing that happened last year. The teams against the run they played last year. It was preseason before we even knew what they were capable of. Now they got J.K. Dobbins there. Ravens are going to be scary again. And they're going to be motivated too. They're my pick to win the Saints in the Super Bowl. And they'll win whoever they play. They're a tough team. Yonda, skill-wise, actually, you could kind of say they got worse on offense, but said they now have the best running back room in the NFL with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. The second round. You lost Yonda, you lost Hayden Hurst, you still got Mark Andrews, still got Lamar Jackson, still got Ronnie Stanley, still got Orlando Brown. Like you, Your team's not hurting any, really. You had Calais Campbell on defense, Derek Reed. Patrick Peters, or not Pat, Marcus Peters are all back. And against one of the easiest, the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Ravens are going to be scary. Ravens will be scary for quite a while, and it'll be interesting to see who can challenge them from the AFC since the Patriots are now gone. Out of the teams that I could think of that could challenge them, obviously, Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. They're going to be challenging them. Those two teams are going to run riot in the AFC. They will meet each other in the AFC Championship game. They will. And whoever has the one seed, I think will win because that home field advantage is going to be big. Not saying the Chiefs can't win on the road, but playing in Baltimore in the playoffs is tough. It'll be a tough playoff series. The best rush team versus the best pass team. Who will come off on top? I think the Ravens got the better defense, so I would expect if the Ravens are at home to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But you never know. Chiefs offense is something that we've never seen in the NFL ever. And a lot of people, a lot of NFL people, think they are the next New England Patriots. Which is scary to think about because I can't, I can't stand Patriots fans. I only know personally one of them. I know a lot of Chiefs fans. If they become that team that just wrecks havoc in the NFL, I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> Hopefully the Bills, I think the Bills could push them a little bit. But I think right as of right now, the Chiefs and Ravens are the creme de la creme in the AFC. And it's going to be fun 
watching this NFL season unfold. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you on the Logan Blackman Show on this Monday edition, Monday, May 18th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you have a fun rest of your week, rest of your life, rest of your month, whatever, rest of your year. I don't care. Just have a good one. I will see you guys on Wednesday. Peace.